2004, uh, me and Jolie, my wife, we were engaged to be married. And I was in Bulgaria, of all places. I, li- I lived there as a missionary, and she was in India uh, working uh, as a teacher in a missionary school. And so I was excited about the wedding. I was as, as any young man would be. Um, and so I was planning the honeymoon and we both love adventure. So I'm like, hey, let's go to Colorado. We're gonna, we're gonna have an adventure in Colorado, climbing mountains and crawling through caves. And, and some of you ladies are like, Joe, what were you thinking? This is a honeymoon. But hey, Jolie likes that kind of stuff, I promise. And so um, I planned this amazing honeymoon in Colorado or so I thought, right? And this was the early days of the internet, so I was searching like crazy for the best places and the best adventures, and I was just putting every, every effort I had into creating just a memorable experience for me and Jolie. And so the wedding day comes, and we're in Florida where Jolie grew up, and it's August 13th, 2004. And just so you know, it's, it was also Friday the 13th, 2004. It was our, our wedding day. And so just so happened that on our wedding day, a hurricane decides to blow through the state of Florida. And it went all the way from Fort Myers all the way across the state, just south of where our wedding was, and straight through Orlando, shutting down the airport for three days. And so this amazing adventure that I had planned right, was immediately derailed for at least three days. And so we kind of twiddled our our thumbs for a few days, waiting to get on with life, right? So finally, we get to Missouri, where my car is, and we were going to pick it up there and and drive out to Colorado. And lo and behold, uh, we get out of the, the taxi from the airport to where my car was parked at a church, and I reach in my bag, and I have no keys. I'm not lying. And so here's me and Jolie pulling our bags down the street to Super 8 on our honeymoon. And, and so <laughs> remember, I searched for the best experience. I tried to make all the plans to make it happen, but it didn't turn out that great. So here we are pulling our bags down to Super 8. And lo and behold, the next morning, my mom brings the extra set of keys because she was already back in Columbia, Missouri. And, and how many of you know it's amazing to have breakfast with your mom while on your honeymoon? <laughs> So I had a great breakfast with my mom at Cracker Barrel. Um, and all you Cracker Barrel peeps, you know, you can give me a shout out. And so, yes, good, good breakfast. And so we get in the car, we drive all the way up to Colorado. And once we get there, we had lost days, we had lost money. Some of the places wouldn't get our money back. And so it became like a game of hopscotch. We were like in one place one night, and the next place another night, and the next place another night. And it's like we never even unpacked our bags, right? Now, we had fun, and we made the best of it, but uh, Jolie's like, is this how you planned it? Were we supposed to have been in a different place every single night? It feels like we're running around with our heads cut off. This is supposed to be relaxing and fun time. And isn't life just like that sometimes, right? You, you search, and you find what you think is the answer. You know, I, in my case, I searched the internet, and I found great spots and great adventures, And then life happens. You make some great plans. You search out some great opportunities and then life throws curveballs. And what you thought was the right plan turned out to be a disaster. But you know that Jolie and I were able to to, to have fun still in the middle of the chaos. Our love for each other grew. Man, we have great memories uh, of that time. 
and it was awesome. But what are you searching for? And where have you found yourself? And has your search yielded the best results? You know, I think this is a great time of year to kind of do a little introspection. And as we, we look at these three guys that were on a search, they were on a journey, they were trying to find the best thing in life. Where are we at in our search? I'm sure that some of you right now, you're searching for gifts and, and there's a supply shortage and you can't find what you want. And your, your kid wants a PS5 and there's no PS5s and, and they want uh, the new Xbox, but there's no new Xboxes. And, and you're just about to lose your mind, right? And because we're kind of losing our mind in the, in, the, in the rush of the season, we do stupid things. We pay for things with money we don't have to impress people we don't like, right? You ever been there? Charge it. And we think that the searching and the finding and the, the accumulation of stuff is going to somehow fill the void. And in the search for a great Christmas, we miss the most important things. What about the things that really matter? What about your purpose? The reason that you're here, the reason God put breath in your lungs. Have you found it? What about peace? Does it feel like it's a carrot in front of you and you're always running after it, but you just, you just can't ever get it? And it, you just feel like you're scrambling after it all the time. What about contentment? What about friends? Are you searching for friends and, and just feel like you're, you're striking out? Happiness. You know, how do people usually search for happiness? They, they look for power, pleasure, prestige. Have you found it? What about Jesus? Have you found Jesus? Are you in the process of finding Jesus? Is, are, are you actively searching for him, the reason for the season? You see, the wise men's journey was all about getting to Jesus. They were obviously determined and they came prepared. But I'm not sure that their journey and their search went how they planned, kind of like my honeymoon. And so today you might not find your PS5, but there's one thing that you are guaranteed to find. Listen, the Bible promises that if a person is truly seeking Jesus, God takes the unexpected events and works them out for his good, for his good and his glory and his honor. God leads the person to Jesus if they're truly seeking him, regardless of circumstances and events. And aren't you thankful for that? So let's turn in our Bibles to our text today. If you've got a real Bible, you can flip it open to Matthew chapter 2. If you open your Bible app or, um, or you open up the Mosaic app, the notes are in there. You can also grab the half sheet notes on your chair. And just so you know, the notes are on one side. Some announcements that you need to know are on the other. But Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and we're going to read together the account of the wise men. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, we're not, we're not looking for the newborn king, but that is a question that every single one of us needs to ask. Where's Jesus? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, 
Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you. Now that prophecy from the Old Testament was obviously talking about Jesus. He will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so, I, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. <clears throat> when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Amen. Let's pray one more time. God, I thank you so much for your word. Help it to get deep down in our heart. Help us to not just know the story, but how to apply this to our life today. God, in our search for you, God, as we make our plans, God, your word says that you make our path straight. And so I pray that happens in our hearts and our lives, that as we search for you and as we try to wade through all of the busyness and all of the, the craziness of the season, God, that we can see you for who you really are, someone that came to save us, to die in our place on a cross, to rise again on the third day from the grave, to show us that we, we can have power over sin, death, and the grave, all because of a relationship with you. And so thank you for your word. Bless it. Let it grow in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so what do we see from this passage today? Number one in your notes. When seeking God, you can expect resistance. Now, at first glance, when you read this passage, you're not thinking to yourself, oh man, the, the, the wise men had a lot of resistance. But resistance was happening behind the scenes. And we'll, we'll see more about that next week during our talk. But it says that King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard what the wise men had to say, as was everyone in Jerusalem. That's big. And that's something that we just pass over. We could just glaze by and just be like, oh, they were disturbed. And, but, but the cultural context here is that Herod was the king of the Jews at that time. He had been appointed by Rome. He wanted power. He wanted prestige. He had searched in all the wrong places to find what he wanted. And he got it. And so here we see wise men seeking Jesus, walking right into the middle of a culture war. Herod was appointed by Rome. And then after, you know, after this period, or, or actually right before this period, I'm sorry, Right before Jesus comes on the scene, guess what had happened with the Israelites? 400 years of silence from the prophets, from people of God talking, speaking anything new. And so they were just in this period of waiting. And how many of you know that when there is no leader, uh, you know, a leader usually fills that vacuum. And the leader that fills that vacuum is not always the best leader. 
And so throughout the Israelites' history, they had had a lot of different leaders, some good, some bad. King Herod was definitely not a great one. Herod himself was an Edomite. He was from, the, uh, from Edom, which were, they were descendants from Esau. And so Jacob and Esau, if you know your Old Testament a little bit, uh, they were brothers. Jacob stole the birthright from Esau, and Esau went off and wasn't really a part of the family anymore. And so throughout the rest of the history of, of Israel, you know, the, the family of Esau and the Edomites, they were enemies of Israel. And Herod was from that family, but he had converted to Judaism, probably because for political gain. And he did this to fit his ruling of Judea. And so the wise men come into here, they're searching for Jesus, they're looking for him, and lo and behold, there's people that don't like what they're looking for. Have you ever been there? That you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to search for Jesus, and it feels like, Man, people aren't really for you. They're kind of speaking against you. They're like, well, why are you looking there? Why are you doing that? Why, why, why like that? Oh, you, why would you go to that church? Oh, I've heard about those people. Oh, I don't know. And you just feel like you're facing resistance along the way. The wise men encountered a few types of people in Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem because it was the obvious place. It's where the temple was. It was kind of the, the capital of Israel. They were searching for the king of Jews, so why wouldn't they go to Jerusalem? And I can imagine that why King Herod and everyone else in Jerusalem was so disturbed, because here were these foreigners coming in and searching for their Messiah. And it's like, who were they to be searching for the Messiah? And so what does King Herod do? He sets a trap, right? He sets a trap for them. He's like, hey, go check it out and come back and report to me. And like I said, next week we'll hear the rest of that story. But the king, he can, he can represent evil people, self-centered people. And, and, you know, our culture would have us believe that most people are generally good, that most people want the best for you, that most people are trying to, to help each other. But... That we all know that's not true. Even some people that are close to us don't always want the best for us. And so this is mind-blowing. Herod knew that there was supposed to be a Messiah, and he, and he called the right people, the religious leaders, to find out where he would be born. So he knew enough to know that. He knew enough to know to talk to the right people. But he still had this ulterior motive that he was trying to get the, the new king of the Jews, Jesus. Listen, when it comes to evil and self-centered people in your life, as you're seeking for God, as you're seeking for the right answers, as, as when you're trying to find the real Jesus, when you're trying to get into a real relationship with Jesus, listen, people go out of their way sometimes to discourage you. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. Because peace and hope and joy and purpose will not be found in the company of those that have none. And so the, the wise men, they'd gone to Jerusalem to the place where they thought they were going to find the right answers. But they found people that hadn't even found the right answers either. And so they were searching for peace and joy and, the, and, and Jesus with people that hadn't even found him yet themselves. Listen. The holidays only produce so much of those warm fuzzies, the peace and the joy that we feel. 
We all know the feeling of, of opening the presents, having the ham or turkey dinner, and then it's just kind of like that, it's over. It only lasts for a moment. And so just like King Herod's pursuit of prestige and power, it obviously, it, it didn't fill the void. Because as soon as there was talk of somebody that, that was going to take his place, oh, what is he doing? He's grasping for more. He's grasping for more. The second group of people that we see in this passage are, is religious people. We see the religious people, and it says all the people in Jerusalem were disturbed. And so the religious people were disturbed too. These wise men were foreigners. And when people come in from the outside sometimes to religious people, people that don't really care about God, but just care about how they look and and they're just religious and they're trying to look right and do right and say right and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Religious people's arms many times are closed to people who haven't paid the price, looked the part or know the drill. And these... These wise men fit that bill. They came from another country, right? They probably dressed differently. They probably talked differently. They weren't Jews. And so the religious people were probably disturbed because like, who are they to know where Jesus would be? Who are they to find Jesus before I find Jesus, right? But I'm glad that the, that the wise men set an example for, for us, even though these religious people were pushing back on them and, and disturbed by them, and even though King Herod was setting a trap for them, they didn't base their journey on these other people's example or circumstance. Right? They didn't let these people that were kind of like put off or like, who are you? They didn't let, them, they didn't let that keep them from pursuing Jesus. Because guess what? It wasn't just the wise men and it isn't just you and me that have to deal with hurtful people. People that don't understand your journey, the people that don't understand how you're searching. This is the, very, this is the exact kind of world that Jesus was born into. He was born into this mess. He was born into this, into this life of people not getting along and people setting traps and people you know, hurt people hurting people. And a messed up world and a messed up people shouldn't keep us from Jesus either. The third kind of resistance that these, that these uh, wise men probably felt was personal resistance. And so I can imagine that they kind of got a feel from King Herod that he might not be fully for them. I can, get a, I can imagine that they probably got a feel from the, these religious leaders that it's like, who are these guys searching for the king of the Jews? Yeah, I, can get, I can imagine that the wise men weren't dummies and they probably got a feel from the body language of people that they were disturbed just by, by their presence. And so I'm sure that the wise men probably felt some personal resistance. Why? Because when you seek Jesus, your life is gonna change. It can't help but change. When you go on a journey after Jesus, and man, I hope that, that either because of this message today or just because of the season that you're searching for the real Jesus. And when you go on a journey to find the real Jesus, you can't ever be the same again. Because the Bible says that those who draw near to him, when you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And when you get close to God and when you see God and when you experience God, you can't ever be the same again. And as you go along that road of searching for Jesus, you start to see sometimes how hard the road can be. 
And you encounter strange people and you encounter people that don't understand your journey. And many times because of this, we, we just want to slide back into comfort mode. You're like, oh, it's, it's, it's too hard to serve God. It's too hard to search for Jesus. Man, I'm encountering difficulties. Man, I'm encountering setbacks. I'm encountering failures. And because of the personal resistance that we see, we slide back into, you know, just comfort mode. I'm tired. I'm confused. I don't understand why people aren't supporting my journey. I don't understand why people aren't, aren't helping me get to Jesus. And we get disillusioned. Maybe some of you have even been disillusioned by the church. You've been disillusioned by how church people have treated church people or how leaders in your life have treated you. Or you've been disillusioned by how somebody who was supposed to be a follower of Christ didn't act so Christ-like to you. And it's easy to just get hurt and, and take their sin and let that be our filter for how we see God. But man, one thing that we can learn from the wise men is they went through Jerusalem where people were disturbed by their presence and they didn't stop going after Jesus. I can imagine that the wise men must have thought, I have to go where? I have to go what? Wait, I came to Jerusalem. This is where I was supposed to find the king of the Jews in the, in the capital city. And they're like, no, go to Bethlehem. I can imagine they had a long journey and they're like, keep going. Yes, keep going. Because when you're seeking God, you can always expect resistance because the enemy of your soul does not want you to find him. Number two, when you seek God, and this is the good part, you can always expect to find what you're looking for. And I hope this, this, this fills your heart with hope today. When you seek God, you can always expect to find what you're looking for. There's nothing worse than not being able to find something that's precious to you. Amen? A couple days ago, I was working out down in my basement and um, I had taken my wedding ring off because I was, I was doing some pull-ups and it's a metal bar and, and, and it kind of was uncomfortable. And set my, so I took my wedding ring off and I set it down. And then the next day I'm like, where is it? And just that panic of like, I can't remember where I put it for the life of me. And luckily, after a little bit of thinking, I was like, oh yeah, took it off when I was working out. But just that initial, you know how that feels, that initial panic, it's like, oh my goodness, can't find it. Um, my son Levi, oh, he's sitting right here. He made your coffee this morning, so if, if you've got a cup of coffee, you can thank Levi today, um, and along with Ashley. And so, and so Levi's lost his AirPods, and I can see, he, and Levi's always positive. He's always like optimistic. He's like, oh, no problem. You know, it's like, he, he always puts off this front like nothing really gets him, right? But I can just see as he's looking for his AirPods, there's just that, that little look in his eye. It's like, man, those are precious to me. Man, I paid a lot for those. I, he, I think he probably spent his Christmas and birthday money on one time. He's like, I sacrificed for that. And you can just see that little look in his eyes. He's like, oh man, I can't find my AirPods. One of our youth, we were on a, a trip uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were walking on a trail through, through uh, the woods over at Alt Park, uh, which is a beautiful place to be, because I was like, where can we go hike? And, and Angela was like, oh, Alt Park's beautiful. So we went, we're going through these trails, and Ryland, you know, he, he, all of a sudden he's like, oh my gosh, I don't have my phone. And the search began. I go running down the trail, you know, there we're looking, we're trying to do the find my iPhone thing. And just that panic, it's like, oh, where's my phone? 
couldn't find it, so we go back, we go out to pizza, we go to Dewey's, and then after Dewey's, Rylan and his dad go back and they search for a couple hours trying to find the phone. Why? Because it is so frustrating when you can't find something that's precious to you. But your search for Jesus will never, ever, ever end in disappointment. And so I just want to encourage you today, you're going you're gonna to find resistance. Maybe you've been through a bunch of churches and you came today and you're just like, oh, dude, I'm just giving God one last shot. And by giving God one last shot, um, you know, that, that is fleshed out and you come into church. And I just want to encourage you, man, don't let it be that fragile because you might not like my talk today and, and you might give up on Jesus because you didn't like me. Don't ever do that. Try again. And I'm not saying try me again. Try someone. Don't stop searching for Jesus. Don't stop. Why? Because if you don't give up, you're going to find them. You're going to find them. Don't stop. And so what does the word say? When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They found Jesus. This is the best part of the story. Even in the midst of chaos, they found Jesus. Even in the midst of tax season, they found Jesus. Even though the town was full of everybody coming to pay their taxes and do the census, they found Jesus. Even in the midst of the twists and turns of life, they thought they were going to Jerusalem, they end up in Bethlehem, they found Jesus. Even in the midst of all these people looking at them funny and not understanding their, their circumstances, they found Jesus. Listen, you will find Jesus if you don't stop your journey. Too many people stop because of circumstances and offenses and distractions. Don't stop looking for Jesus. What does God's word say? Acts 17, 27. It says his purpose, God's purpose, was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, we live and move and exist. What a promise. Man, I hope that encourages your heart today. That God is not far from you. And when you search for him, you're going to find him. You can bank on it. Jeremiah 29, 13. If, underline that. Yeah, I don't know if it's in your notes or not. But if you've got your Bible, underline that. If you're on your app, highlight that. If. You look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Hebrews eleven six. Anyone. Man, there's some big words in these verses. They're, they're really simple, but really profound. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And I just want to encourage you, don't give God kind of this half effort of searching for him. The only time in scripture that God says to test him is with our finances. And so don't, don't test God with these, these little searches like, God, well, I'll, I'll go one more time or I'll, I'll, do, or I'll read my Bible one more time, but if you don't show up, if I don't feel your presence, then, then you're not real. Don't do that to him. Why? Because the Bible says to sincerely seek. It says that anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And so don't give up. Don't give up. 
He wants to be found. He's not hiding. What is it? The, the verse next. He's not far from you. Proverbs 8, 8, 17 says, I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. Have you got the memo yet today? He wants to be found by you. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 7, he said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Now, Jesus was talking about prayer in that passage. But man, if he's saying that we can pray like that, then obviously, man, if we want to find him, we can find him. And then lastly, in Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, it says, long ago, remember how I said that before, Jesus, or before the wise men showed up with King Herod and King Herod was the king of the Jews, 400 years had gone by, not a peep from God. 400 years. Because it says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And so there's this big pause. Hadn't heard from Jesus. But it says, and now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. And so we see the wise men searching, 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 traveling, traveling, enduring hardship, enduring resistance. And they find God's son. They find him. And I love the response of the wise men when they found Jesus. They were just honored to be there. Right? They were just honored to be there. They, it wasn't as much about Jesus fixing them because a lot of times we come to Jesus and we're broken and, and we really need him to patch us up. And that's okay. And if you're broken and you need Jesus to, to heal you, man, he absolutely wants to do that. But I think that there's, a, there's a, a really cool key in their attitude here today. There's, a, there's an interesting thing that, that when they came, they didn't ask Jesus for anything. They came and what did they do? They just bowed before him. They were just happy to be there. It wasn't just about them telling Jesus about their journey as it much as it was honoring him for his. Have you ever gone through such a journey to, to get to Christ that it's like, man, you don't know what I had to do to get here. Man, you should see my family and, and how I grew up and how hard it was. And, and man, you should see what I came from and all this sin and junk that, that, that happened to me along the way. And oh man, you should see the journey. And man, there, there is something special about people testifying what God has brought them from. But I, I just love the attitude of of the disciples or the, the, the wise men that they show up and it was way less about them telling Jesus about their journey and it was way more about them honoring for him for his journey because he left his throne on high. He left his place of, of you know, in heaven and he came for you and for me. He left glory. He entered flesh to live a life just like you and I live. Why? Just so you could find him, so you could see him, so you could see the heart of God represented in a person. And when the wise men saw Jesus, what did it produce in them? It produced a heart of generosity. 
It produced a, a heart where they said, God, I just want to give you the best that I have. And so maybe you've heard before they gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And scholars say that, that the gold was presented to Jesus as a token of his royalty, right? That he was worth it. The frankincense was a token of his divinity, which means that he was God. And, and I love this gift because it was basically a gift saying, God, we know, we know you don't have to be here. But you chose to be here. You chose to come close. And then the myrrh, it was, they say that maybe that was a symboling of his sufferings that were to come. And so they gave him this gift knowing that, that he came to die, that he came to suffer. Bottom line, Whatever the gifts meant and whatever was on their mind, who knows? Maybe they just gave him what they had. Maybe it was as simple as that. But what they found when they found Jesus was worth the best they had to offer. And that's the timeless principle for you and me. That, hey, you might, you might experience some resistance getting to Jesus. You might experience some bad circumstances along the way. But man, when you seek him with all of your heart, you're going to find him. And when you find him, when you find Jesus and you see him for who he really is, God in the flesh came to save you, came to die for you, came to give us everything for you. And when, that, when your eyes are opened to the reality of a Savior in your life, not just 2,000 years ago in the town of Bethlehem, but that he came for you. And when you really realize that, you know what you, you, know what you understand? That he's worth it all. He's, the wor he's, he's worth the best I have to offer and that finding Jesus is always worth it. It's worth the resistance. It's worth the life change, whatever changes I need to make in my life. It's worth the searching. It's worth figuring out why I believe what I believe. It's worth being in his presence and just giving and expecting nothing in return. It's worth an attitude that says, hey, I'm just gonna continue on the journey. It's worth an attitude that says, if God never does another thing for me in my entire life, he's, he's already done enough, amen? He's already done it all. He's worth it all. He's worth it all. Matthew 8, 36, Jesus gives a really hard message and he says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? And I believe the wise men got it. They got that Jesus was worth it. Everything, everything they had to give. And the good news for us today is that this was just the beginning. Man, if Jesus was worth gold and frankincense and myrrh in the manger as a baby when he was still having to get his diapers changed, if he was worth that then, how much is he worth now in your life? How much is he worth in my life? If Jesus was worth that much worship and hardship and journeying as an infant, how much more after he died in her place on a cross? How much more after he broke out of that grave, broke out of those death chains and ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven? The question Never in that whole journey that the wise men went on. The question was never, does God care for me? And you need, some of you need to hear this today because you're wondering, does God really care for me? The question isn't, does God care for me? The question is, will I keep going on my journey towards Jesus? Because if I keep going, I'm going to find him.
Some of you are waffling about really following Jesus with your whole heart. You've been hurt. You've been let down. You're grieving a loss. You're addicted. You're proud. Maybe you feel like your reputation is going to suffer if you really go all in after Christ with your whole heart and you surrender everything. But he's worth it. He's always worth it. He's always worth everything you have to offer. And so I just want to challenge you today to trust him. As you're on your seeking journey and maybe maybe you searched all over the internet, you've read all the books, you've, you've done everything you can do to find Jesus and, and you still feel like you're coming up short. You still feel like, man, there's more. Well, guess what? There always is more. But if you don't stop and if you just stay on the journey and if you commit to a long-term obedience of serving Jesus, he's so faithful. And if you just have this attitude when you come to Jesus that, man, just being in your presence, God, I just want to bow my heart and bow my life and just commit everything I am to you. And God, here's, here's all I got, the best I have to offer. And God, if you never do another thing for me, it's okay. And I just want to tell you that attitude change your life. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes today. Let's reflect. Where are you at? on your journey towards Jesus. Where are you at? Have you hit some bumps along the road? Maybe you went to church as a kid, but you've been gone a long time. Maybe you might not tell anybody, but inside, deep down inside, you've given up on God because the journey has just been too hard and too long, too far. And you kind of lost hope that you could really find the real Jesus. Man, you, you are exactly who God put, my, put on my heart as we got ready for this week. Jesus wants to soften your heart today. He wants to put a fire in your heart today so that you won't give up on your journey. He wants you to know that, man, when you seek him with all of your heart, you're going to find him. He wants you to know that it's worth it Here's the truth though, only you can travel your journey. I can't travel your journey for you as your pastor. I can't, I can't take your steps, I can't, I can't do it. And so I just wanna lovingly encourage you today to keep taking steps towards Jesus. And maybe for some of you today, it's time to take your first step. And what does that first step look like? It's when you do just like those wise men did when they walked into the presence of Jesus, they just bowed down. And I'm not saying you have to get on your knees at your seat, but in your heart, just say, God, I surrender all. I surrender my life to your Lordship. God, I don't ever wanna stop searching for you. God, your word says to seek you with all of my heart seek you in your righteousness. So God, that's what I'm going to do. I don't understand it all. I don't understand my journey. I don't understand why things haven't worked out like I thought. But God, I surrender to you and I'm going to keep seeking after you for the rest of my life. Man, if you come to Jesus with that kind of heart today, his word will not fail you. And so some of you, I believe you're at that decision moment in your life and it's time. 
it's time to bow your heart and surrender to Christ, just like those wise men did. And so if that's you today, with everybody's heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, just between you and Jesus, just as a, a sign of surrender, you engaging in the process, and there's nothing special about this, but just to say, hey God, I, I wanna serve you. If that's you today and you wanna surrender your life to Christ, just raise your hand and say, that's me, God, right here. I'm searching for you. I need you. I wanna lay down my life for you. Amen. If you're online with us today, man, you can accept Christ right there in your living room. You don't have to be at church. You don't have to, you know, leave your house. Wherever you are, maybe you're sitting in your car, wherever you're at, you can accept Christ. There's no special words. There's no special way to do it. Why? Because it's all about the posture of your heart. The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and you will be saved. Amen. And so let's do that together. If everybody in this room could just repeat this prayer after me, and we're going we're gonna to say this prayer along with those that are, are taking this first step in the relationship with Christ. Repeat after me. Jesus, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. You're the one way for me to get to heaven. I give you my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again on the third day. And I want you to be my Lord. Help me to live for you the rest of the days of my life. Help me to understand 